Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is not the subject of an important government review, at least not as far as we know. I'm Scott Phillips and he is the managing director and founder of strawman.com, the man himself, the ram of pages, Andrew Page. How are you, mate? (laughs) Rampage. I'm very good, <laughs> mate. I'm very good. Jeez, I, I hope we're not the subject of any government reviews. That that would be concerning. Uh, you, you kind of, if, you, if you're going to be the subject of a review, you want to know about it in advance, right? If someone's looking into oh, you yeah. without your knowledge, you're, you're in all sorts of trouble. Uh, oh, of course, yeah. the RBA is the reference there. But before we do that, before we do that, strawman.com. I, I've been away for three weeks. My memory is faulty. What is strawman.com again? You need a refresher. I understand. I do. Thank you. I, I understand. You're, you're getting on, you know. The, oh, come uh, on. The, the, mind, the memory's not what it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Strawman is an online private oh, investment sh- club. <laughs> online private. I'll, I'll try and commit that to memory, mate. I, 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 the first time I've heard it, so I'll, I'll see if I can uh, see if I can finally once and for all. Uh, see how you go. Memory. Mate, um, not much happened in the three weeks I was away, did it? I mean, rates didn't go up half a percent. Unemployment wasn't down to three and a half percent. Just a normal, nothing to see here kind of three weeks. Do you know the funny thing is, is that I was actually thinking before we caught up, it's just like, oh, what's happened? <laughs> and I feel, it feels like it's been a few years of this kind of, uh, environment mm. where you, the world just throws crazy yeah. stuff at you, <laughs> it and it's kind of like in in you know a decade or so ago, like any one of these mm-hmm. issues that that, mm-hmm. that surfaced up on the news would be <laughs> wow, we'd be talking about it for months. That's right. And now it's just sort yeah. of like oh yeah that happened you know, and <laughs> is then it, is and be- definition of punch drunk right? It's like oh here we go again. And before you've had time to digest it, something else <laughs> comes out. You know, it's a global pandemic, and then a oh. monkeypox, and then a madman in the White House and then, you know, just like yeah. just one thing after another. So, yeah, I feel as though some, some things have happened in the few weeks you've been gone. Some stuff <laughs> has know, gone down. Some stuff has gone down. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just reeling from, from being punch, punch yeah. drunk. Yeah. Mate, speaking of stuff going down, so look, great news, unemployment down to 3.5%, super, super, super cool. Uh, means more Australians than ever in jobs. Uh, that's the usual government line, which is always true, by the way, because population keeps growing, so that, that's always true. Mm-hmm. But uh, an all-but record unemployment rate, not as low as the immediate post-war years, but the best in 50-something years, the best in effectively what we know as modern economic history. Um, mm. Really, really good. Probably um, immigration-related, probably... Uh, you know, something that won't be permanent. I mean, I desperately hope it is, but I don't think anyone really thinks this is permanently low. Um, hopefully it's a new low. Maybe maybe we have to use the, uh, I hate this traders thing, but high, lower, lower highs and lower lows would be lovely. Um, if unemployment kind of when it goes up, only goes up to 5 or 6% rather than 12 or 13, that would be nice. Um, would it be a fool's errand, mate, to uh, suggest maybe this is the new normal? I think so. Only be, only because, as a general rule, the new normal is is never <laughs> the new normal. By definition, that's right. When someone calls the new yeah. normal, you know it's not the new normal. In fact, hey, the more, pe- <laughs> more people start saying it, the more they're like, mm. You know my uh, favourite you know, recent one? Inflation oh, yeah. is dead. Inflation is inflation, dead. Inflation, oh gosh. Remember two, um, like, three years ago, th- four years ago, inflation is dead. We finally killed off inflation. Central banks, 1980, did some cool stuff. Inflation's dead. Oh, thank goodness we're in a post-inflation world now. Was it, was it Gordon Brown who said we got rid of the economic cycle as well? Or was, was <laughs> Probably. Someone someone oh. in the UK. Look, I I, I, I think it's... I'm, I'm going to sound negative here, just not because I am per se, but just because it's, it's just mm. nice to, to sort mm. of th- throw a bit of cold water on any good news that comes yeah. along. But it seems to me that there's there's a bit of a disconnect between some of the various economic figures. Like when, mm. whenever you turn on the news, and I know that the media is going to be the media when they're going to get things that get clicks and get eyeballs and the rest of it, but yeah. <clears throat> cost of living pressures, 
Uh, you see, oh, pardon me, I should turn the phone off. Um, cost of living pressures, wages yeah. ha- haven't uh, I- increased. People seem to be doing it tough. Now, traditional sort of good old-fashioned economic theory would say, well, when unemployment is really, really, really low, mm. um, the, the bargaining power is in the hands of, of the employees. Yep. We can say, I want, I want a pay, pay raise. All right, don't, don't hire me then. You know, mm-hmm. good luck finding someone else because there's no one else around. I mean, yeah. you, it, it's different when, when, when employers can call the shots because there's like a thousand people going for the one job. It's, it's pure supply and demand. Mm. Um, and then there's things like participation rates and all the rest of it. All so, time high uh, too, by the way. Really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. Again, though, we've had a huge plank of, of that sort of removed with immigration and the rest mm, of it mm. recently. So I yep. just, I, I just maybe I'm not, I'm not even trying to to, to lead anyone anywhere here. But I guess I, I want to ask you the question: <clears throat> Why, why is it that so many people? You know, whether it's the teachers, the nurses, the train drivers, mm, mm. you know, the, the, the people that we all said were heroes <laughs> during the pandemic. <laughs> Why is it none of them can get any decent pay rise? In fact, they're all going backwards. Mm, and I bet mm, you there's a mm. bunch of people listening to this podcast right now that are going, I've gone backwards. Um, in real terms, when you're looking at inflation rate north of 5%, maybe even higher in, in actual terms, you know, and it's just sort of like, oh, great, I got a 2% pay rate. I've still got back 3%, right? <laughs> exactly. Now, now I know I know we've talked before about the sort of the, 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 the snake eating its own tail kind of phenomenon. Mm, if people mm, get more mm. of a pay rise, yeah, well, that leads yeah. to more pricing pressure, which leads to more inflation. But, but putting that aside, would not you think that with such low, 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 ridiculously low unemployment mm. that 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 we would all be able to demand better pay. Why, why, why hasn't that happened? I asked the questions around here, pal. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, <laughs> it's a hard that, one, that, That's right? why someone I don't know. Yeah, like, and yeah. so the thing about... Oh, I'm going to talk about the RBA in a minute. But the thing about economics is there are no... It's, it's, a, it's an art, right? And at best, it's a pretty... You know, the dismal science... It's a dark art. It's, it's right. a dark and, and, art. And there are, no, there are no absolutes, no perfect answers. And the more certain someone is about the answer they give you, uh, the more sceptical you should be. Because um, The Economist, one of my favourite things we learned in economics at high school was ceteris paribus, all mm-hmm. else being equal. Yep. Uh, which is fine as an assumption if you want to literally pretend you're in some theoretical world, but all else was never equal. That's the that's the point. That's the problem, right? You've got uh, 25 million Australians all interacting, plus their businesses, plus the rest of the world, plus everything else. You go, um, I think A plus B equals C. So, mm. Yeah, no, 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 it doesn't mm. doesn't. May I? I am going to. Well, man, I mean that that is a that's an essay in itself. Your your answer to your question. Is Two that? things I think are probably real. The first is that um, the labor negotiating system it's not really even a system but the, the dynamic is is messy and difficult and for what it's worth you know general increases in pay and conditions have been won through difficult um challenging negotiations strikes uh whatever else is that, that tend to happen right so part of that is that and ironically when you've got a large workforce doing relatively similar jobs it's actually harder to get those pay rises through because if you've got, I don't know, let's say there's 10,000 train drivers or 40,000 nurses, I don't know what the numbers actually are, 60,000 mm. teachers, uh, whatever those numbers end up being, um, you might leave the public system and go and work for a private hospital or a private school. If mm. you're a train driver, you might leave the train driving ranks and go and drive a taxi. Uh, and eventually the government might say, we can't get enough train drivers, we're going to have to do something. We guess we have to put the wages up. But it's a, it's a really, really long run dynamic because mm. you've got 10,000 train drivers, one leaves, you don't notice. Five leave, you don't notice. 400 leave, you start to notice. 1,000 leave, okay, we've got a problem. But it takes three years for that to happen. 
And so there is that's there is a interesting yeah there is a substitution effect of just simply people moving around, leaving leaving one job. Eventually, that causes problems that you then have to resolve. We, we, I'll tell you what. So teachers, my wife's a teacher, as it turns out, mm. and teach the teaching ranks are getting really really grey. And there are not enough graduates coming through and new teachers to make up for the, the, the kind of the demographic cliff we're going to suffer in teaching, right? Mm. But so government should be in theory saying, oops, let's do something different, but they're not because they're not. So they're not. Um, so there's that by the, by the way, that was that was seen like 10 years ago, I think. Yeah, to, oh, that's I, know, been, I know a few people yeah. in the department and it's just like, oh, you can just see the demographic mate. shift, right? It's like, this oh, we're going to be really, and no one did anything. Yep. You've got teachers getting older and you've got young teachers not staying. If some, no one says, hey, we might do something. So look, there's yeah. that. Um, mm. The other, of course, is that um, there are some pay rises happening in, in nominal terms where you've got a private person going from job to job. If you've got very specific skills that are unique or relatively non-homogenous, let's call it that. So, uh, I, you know, with, with zero disrespect to anybody who does a substitutable job, a nurse is a nurse, a train driver is a train driver, a teacher is a teacher. Now, we know that's Pod- not true in... Podcaster in, is a podcaster. Oh, yeah, we get paid exactly what we're worth for this, which is nothing. Um, <laughs> But uh, but like you know but but when you start to have specific skills where you're competing uh, uh, two programmers who who have maybe different skills and experiences and you when one person wants one person you know one employer wants one person versus taking a whole intake every year of the next four hundred train drivers the next thousand nurses again I don't want to for a second if you're listening out there and getting mad I'm not saying you're not worth anything I'm not saying you're not worth more you absolutely are what I'm saying is the dynamic of hiring and the price kind of signals that that sends don't happen at, at large. Unless there is things like industrial action or, or something else that changes the story there, so yeah. I think that, yeah. that that's honestly my answer, mate. Um, Can I? And we're, we are seeing it though, right? So we're seeing farm workers get paid forty five dollars an hour to pick fruit, and mm. people are saying that's outrageous. That is that is the market doing what the market's supposed to do. Right? I was going to say when, that's yeah. Well, it's, it's the same people get outraged when like you know the price of umbrellas are more expensive on a rainy day. It's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's actually really it's there's, there's it, like there there are things yeah. like there's gouging and, and that kind of stuff, yeah. but. Yeah. But generally speaking, prices perform this really important signaling yes. mechanism yes. in this highly complex dynamic feedback mm-hmm. loop that we call the economy. It's just yeah. higher prices would spur greater production, which would mean greater supply to meet the extra demand, yes. like yes. It, and, and vice versa. Yes. You know, so it's it's actually it's actually this part of our machine. It's the signaling mechanism. Yeah. That, that coordinates every it, it's entirely appropriate in fact when you have pure communist kind of countries mm. the reason that they break is you've got someone having to even the best most intelligent well-intentioned person trying to set prices they just don't have all of the signals mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's what prices do yeah. so it's kind of it's kind of a good thing I would say it, I, I think it is I think it is the and this is this is what's supposed to happen, right? We know everything overshoots on both directions. Mm. So, you know, $45 for a farm worker is not sustainable, but at some point that will even out. And $45 for, you know, a, a, a barista, probably not sustainable per hour, but that'll even itself out. What the, the, the challenge, I think, is is as that happens at the same time, there are jobs that will go unfilled or skills that are needed. And this is where, this is the challenge of what air quotes, full employment, right? Full employment mm. was never supposed to mean absolutely everybody with it in a job. This is not communist country, you know, a job for everyone who wants one. Full employment is the point at which um, everyone who has the skills and, and talents for a job can get one. And those who are unemployed are largely at some point unemployable for whatever mm. personal reasons or, or, or systemic reasons, um, or simply between jobs. They quit one, they haven't started the other one yet. They're kind of, you know, there's, there's always going to be that balance at the, at the bottom. Uh, and people have issues with that. Um, you know, everyone should have a job and, and unemployment is, is a capitalist, you know, kind of design thing to keep workers under the thumb and all that kind of stuff. And I don't want to get into that. Um, but 
the the reality is that's what's supposed to kind of happen. This is exactly how it's supposed to work. And as you say, when labor market gets tight, prices go up. When there's not mm. enough bananas, the price of bananas goes up. When there's a heap of them, they go down. That's kind of how these things work. It, it is a feature, not a bug, um, yeah. albeit it's messy. And it, it, look, it, yeah. it, go on. Well, I was going to say it, it, it's a very it's a very good system. Um, humanity put aside. I guess that's why there <laughs> there are guard rails and and yeah, um, yeah. interventions to sort of Correct. smooth out Safety those kinds of yes, things. Exactly. Yep, exactly. which which I'm massively in favour for. Yep. But yeah, you've got to be careful what you wish for, right? Because we've got <laughs> to right, we talk right. about you know all else being equal, but we do have mm-hmm. a, we do have other test tubes throughout history and different geographies of where different things have been tried, and it just doesn't work out very well. It's the Winston Churchill's yeah. like whole idea of it's like it's not a not a great system, but it's the best system we've got. Kind the of best thing. system, except for every other one. the worst system, except for every other one that's been tried. Yeah, I right. love that quote. Uh, yeah. You're talking about that as democracy. You're talking about I've democracy. Actually, yeah. I've, I've lifted that. I've used exactly that quote. Um, I, I use the phrase democratic capitalism instead and, and apply exactly the same phrase because I think it's absolutely yeah. true. For all of its many, 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 many faults and shortcomings and things yeah. I would change about it, it's it's the very, very worst system except for every single other one that's been tried. By definition. And also, and also too, it's a very big term. So, you know, yeah, America's a capitalist oh, system. I hate that. Norway's a capitalist system. Yeah, and there's, you can't get two different kind I of know. economies. So, so it's sort of it's it, it, it's a loaded term and people yep. will hear different things yep. and there's a very big spectrum along which that lies so you, yep. you you know some people when you hear hear capital you hear the very worst part and it's got all these kinds of problems <laughs> but then you know th- but yeah. there there there's there's a very a lot of different flavor ice cream is ice cream yes. but you know mint ice cream is very different from uh, hokey pokey that's right <laughs> I, 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 I love say. ice cream okay here is some wasabi ice cream with soy yep. and linseed no, I don't like that one. No, I, I don't like, like that ice cream, one. Right, yeah. and it's kind of. I, I love you made that point, mate, because the the knuckleheads who are like, you know, we have to overthrow capitalism because it's not working perfectly. Yeah. It's just stupidity. Same as the people who say, well, the other the only alternative to what we have now is socialism. No, it's not. We can actually improve capitalism. That's the point, yeah. right? So if you if you hate socialism and you, therefore you want capitalism, it's not a binary choice. It's not this version of capitalism or socialism, whether you love it or hate it. It's we can actually have what's great and just actually make some improvements and make it kind of better for everybody and that would be kind of cool and appropriate and you know a great test tube that's here. what we're supposed to do <clears throat> a great test tube here and again this is going to be fraught with dangers as a comparison oh dear. but oh dear. the rise of china yeah so it's a communist yeah, yeah. country yeah. right but they embraced capitalism in their mm-hmm. markets mm-hmm. that, that yes, that's exactly. what that's what dragged them out of the agrarian mm-hmm. society that they had and oh my god so much exploitation and problems yep. and etc 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 so you know did they yep. do it well well no but in terms of the in terms of the just the crude numbers it there's something there's something to be said about about that totally. i tend to think of it I, we've really meandered off topic here we but have, I, I tend usually for us <laughs> <laughs> i tend to think of it as really all you have is lots of people just doing what makes sense to them if you've got a banana yep. and i've got a fish yeah. You know, and where yeah. you want a fish and I want a banana, we can exchange that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's, we put that's money it. in between in case I want I want a watermelon, you want a banana, someone else wants a fish. We have changed it three ways. You know, try and get all three people in the same spot. You can say, I'll give you this token. You can exchange yeah. that token for the watermelon when you get it, or I can do whichever one I said. Yeah. Um, and, and all of a sudden you have money, and then all of a sudden you have cooperation. All of a sudden you have specialization. I mean, this this is that's this that's the features. system, and it's it's right. it's evolved over thousands of years, and it's layered up, and it's yep. gotten highly complex. And some people are exploiting it, and some mm-hmm. people are in privileged positions, yeah. and yep. all, all of the, all of these kinds of yep. things. Yep. But but there's no grand, there's no there's no cabal of lizard people <laughs> at the United Nations sort of. As con- far I like as we, we know, as far as we know, there's this lovely thing I I. Um, 
uh, everyone's heard of Occam's razor. There's another one called Hanlon's razor, which I really love, which says never attribute to malice what can be fairly attributed to stupidity. And, <laughs> I love it. You know, so whenever you, whenever yep, you see yep, sort yep. of things happen, you think, oh, someone's yep. doing something. It's like, yep. I think what you really have is is a lot. All of us doing things that are. Re- rationally hopefully in our best mm. kind of interest mm. Mm. and then that layers up and layers up and layers up so you have this highly complex system no one's in control it's an what a mathematician would call it or a, maybe a biologist would call it an emergent system right that, that's kind of there and that's that's just to come back full circle that's that's what capitalism is is good at because mm-hmm. it, it actually just says yeah. let the market decide and when it says the market it's really yep. just saying let the individual participants at the granular level you and me decide what we want to buy, how we want to, that, that kind of stuff. Now, again, that's a, that's an oversimplified thing, but I think it's got a lot of credibility. Hey, let me go back. One more thing I wanted to make before <laughs> if we get completely <laughs> off, off topic. If we get completely off topic. Uh, well, when we get further off topic. Mate, I, I can never see the topic from here, but go on. And I don't have the data, but it occurred to me when you were, I sort of said, why is it that wages and stuff are still low during this period of very, very low unemployment? Is there is there a feature of that that relates to the hours worked? So we have a definitional problem here. And this is a hypothesis. I, I should have yeah, done yeah, some research yeah, before. Yeah. But so for me to count as being, as being employed, I think I need to work one or two hours a week. Yeah. So is there a phenomena in there where there is an underemployment in the sense of, mm-hmm. yeah, lots and lots of people have a job, but maybe there's a large percentage of people who would love to be able to work yeah. more hours if they could? Yeah, yeah, there, there always is, mate. And that's absolutely part of it. I think people, people have that argument on Twitter all the time. Um, and, it's, and it's a valid one in and of itself, almost, almost theoretically rather than re- in reality, because the changes to the unemployment rate tend to be directional anyway rather than absolute. So mm. you're right. Mm. If, if you measure the people who... I think Roy Morgan do an underemployment rate, and I think theirs was a 10% or something. So the difference between the, the unemployment, the underemployment rate are those who want more hours um, mm. but who are actually employed. And that's absolutely true. Mm. Um, my understanding from the data, and I haven't looked at it recently, is that hours worked are also increasing over time. And so we are... It's not, it's not like we've all of a sudden... You know, the, 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 the decrease in unemployment isn't because we gave 30,000 people one hour's work and went, hey, look at that, the number's gone down. There are absolutely too many people underemployed. Um, and that's, I think, to your point about the... Um, uh, to your point about the, the measurement and, and what's right and what's wrong, you know, would we want more of those people to be in, be- in more work? Yes. That's also keeping wages down probably because the underemployment rate's probably falling as well mm. as the unemployment rate. And so there's more people saying, I'll have more hours. It doesn't necessarily add to that bargaining thing of I'm going to leave my job. I've just gone from 10 hours a week to 20 hours a week or 20 to 40. Um, that, helps un- that helps underemployment, but doesn't maybe change the, the absolute supply and demand. The, the participation rate, by the way, has also gone up massively. I mean, only two-thirds of the popular adult population are either working or want work. Mm, and so when you yeah. think about retirees and those who are you know, stay-at-home parents or carers or something else, they don't count in the labour force at all. They're not in the number employed, but they're also not in the labour force. So the maths is different there. Um, I think directionally is more useful rather than absolutes. It's also why no one knows what the full employment number was. For a long time, four and a half was considered full employment. Then we're below that and below that and below that mm. um, because we could. And, and that was absolutely part of that kind of no one really knew. Part of that is absolutely number of hours worked and, and people in the gig economy, you know, the Uber drivers and delivery riders and that kind of stuff. They're all they're all part of that kind of messy, messy bit in the middle. So it's worth saying that. Um, Matt, I want to jump back to something you said and then we'll move on. Um, mm. You talk about the economy and the way things should work and markets and that kind of thing. 
and we talked about capitalism being either you know the only the current capitalism being the only option or, or it needs to be destroyed you know with right. that kind of binary thing people stupidly get onto same with markets or the market mm. you talk about yes. the market you talk about being people yeah and you know people say you know uh, I'm, I'm a capitalist right i'm a markets guy it's what i do it's what i like it's what i think generates value mm. it generates i want to say value not even dollar value like the amount of so-called consumer surplus the amount of just just kind of benefit that isn't even necessarily monetary that's that's i use the example of cars right we had a 1998 Toyota Camry for 20 years, best part of 20 mm-hmm. years. And the, the, the new version of the Camry after 20 years was about the same nominal price, which means, by the way, that wages have everything gone up. It's actually cheaper than it was. And by the way, the Camry you would have bought in 2018 had ABS and electric steering and electric Seat windows. Right. Yeah. And so you think, okay, well, so what's happened there? Has any value been created? Well, in GDP terms, no. A $40,000 car then is a $40,000 car today. Look, no change. Except that I've earned a lot more, so the car's cheaper. That's valuable. I'm getting a lot more for my money. That's valuable. GDP, gross domestic product, has measured that change, mm. but there's massive surplus. So, so there's that. But more, more broadly, I think my, my so I'm a markets guy. But, but the the view then is, oh well, you must love free markets. No, no, I, I love well-regulated markets. I love mm. fair markets. I love appropriate markets. I love markets where you know competition works the way it's supposed to and doesn't screw anybody on the way through. And that's not an unreasonable way to say, I'm an absolute capitalist, but I don't have to be a free market, laissez-faire, you know, um, death to the loser, you know, riches to the winner, one, mm. you know, one player wins all the prizes capitalist. I just think the yeah. system works well as long as those, you know, rough bits, the sharp bits on the edges just get filed down. I think we can absolutely do that um, without, without having to say, well, capitalism's therefore broken or, 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 or the only option. Well-regulated, oh, well-run capitalism is the answer, in my you, view. Oh, gosh. Go on. What a big conversation. Yes, you're right. I think the, the, there's, a, there's a bunch of factors that, that l- where, how am I going to say this, <laughs> that, that attribute certain value creation in some areas but not in others. For me, it comes back to wherever there's healthy competition. Yeah, so in, in, your, in your example, there's just a gazillion car manufacturers out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who wins? Yeah. The consumer wins. Yes, which is what's supposed to happen with capitalism, which, right? No one's is, supposed to make surplus profits. That's the idea. That's the idea, right? Yeah, so, yeah. And, and so if you're all about the, the the people, which I am, then that's what really great <laughs> systems are. Look, at, we always talk about the airline being such an ordinary industry. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, well, not for a consumer. Oh, it's the best thing that ever happened. I, <laughs> exactly. I can I can I can travel to the other side of the planet yes, yes. for like eight hundred bucks or something. Yes. It's it's yeah. insane, and I can do it in twenty hours. <laughs> it's right. you know, um, yep. someone the other yep. we we were away. A couple of weeks ago, we went and got a coffee and it was like $5. And I, mm. my instinct was, oh, $5 for a coffee? What the heck, you know? Mm. And then, because I've, I, and then I, you have to think, wait a second, I used to have a cafe back in the day. <laughs> and let me tell you, people always go, oh, how much, you know, your margins must be fantastic. There's, you know, 20 cents worth of milk and that. It's like, yeah. you know, how many, how many cafe owners out there do you know drive Ferraris? Not yeah. many. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the reality is, is that I'm sort of anchoring to prices from 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, it was $3.50 then and now yeah. it's 5 yeah. I feel as though I've been ripped off. And if you actually yeah. compound $3.50 yeah. at 3.5% or so for 10 yeah. years, you actually get to $5. It's like yeah, it's it's perfectly what what mm. you would expect, mm. but at the same time, I can walk in, hand over five dollars, and my my earning power has probably increased on average, or, you know, all the rest of it. Yep. And and I can get someone to grind down some beans that were grown 
300,000 kilometres away or whatever, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, in some tropical, you know, someone's milked a cow, someone's transported <laughs> yep, around, yep, yep, someone's absolutely. someone's built this machine of, yes. this genius machine of, of hyd- you know, uh, uh, hydrodynamic genius uh, to, to create <laughs> steam and pressure and, you know, it's sort of like... Yeah. It's a really someone's great went to thing. the space and, and and put their livelihoods and probably their house on the line to say I want to have a business and do this and provide this stuff and so they've got it's to pay fantastic. the to be there and yeah now yeah, exactly. now so the, but but at the same time mm-hmm. there are some things where it's just like actually it's just gotten worse and worse and worse and this is yeah. the point I was going to make is where that crashes is where there's no healthy competition there are yeah. some industries that are natural monopolies and and the the, the, the a lot of examples to use but one of the more common ones tends to be with power networks mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't make sense for us to have 10 different energy <laughs> transmission companies because yeah. we'd have 10 different power lines running down every street yeah. you know but but it gives you immense kinds of pressure and that is where you do need regulation. That is where you do need someone to sort of step in and go, well, hang on, you know, because yeah, yeah. You, you, you basically you basically get to exploit your monopolistic power. This is what people are worried about with the big tech companies at the moment. This is what happened with all the antitrust regulation uh, in the US. So mm-hmm. capitalism's great. But the funny thing is, is that the, the people who are ostensibly the biggest capitalists are the ones that usually argue for them to preserve undue power <laughs> exactly. within the system. It's like, hang on. Which is why the regulations are required, right? Because Which it is does, why the re- capitalism yeah. does tend to winner take most or winner yes. take all. And if you're yep. in that position, you set the rules and you can exploit markets and, and actually basically screw competition. You, you, yep. can, you can destroy the competition. The other one I'll say, mate, is, um, and just to jump on the climate hobby horse for a second, um, the, the economists call them externalities. I was right? going to mention, yeah. So, yeah. you know, when, when a market says, hey, you know, my individual bit of pollution doesn't matter to me because I don't see it. The tragedy of the commons, as they call it, mm-hmm. um, my impact is really, really, really small. It doesn't. It's not it's of no consequence to me. But as an economy, as a society, it's a massive consequence. Mm. The market won't ever, you know, price carbon without intervention because there simply isn't enough of a. There, there is no cost. I can burn mm. as much fuel as I want. I pay zero for that pollution until eventually I get choked off and die from it, and mine and yours mm. and everyone else's. That, mm. So you know, externalities. Um, you know, pumping pumping you know sewage into a untreated into a river because you can. Um, mm. My my young bloke works in um, or has worked in um, remediation of of kind of um, chemical sites and stuff like that, where stuff has been dumped into rivers, let leach into the soil, that kind of stuff. Because there was no cost, mm. right? There was mm. there's literally, literally zero cost. There's no one to pay. Yep. When you dump well, something into a river, just to clarify: there's an incredible societal cost. There's oh, just man, no yeah, cost right, to yes. the individual. No, that's right. That's right. And to so, the producer, yeah. And that's where markets need to be involved, right? You can't just say, mm. "Well, people say, well, eventually the market will fix it." When people care enough about pollution, eventually they'll do something about it. It's like, well, mm. we're not that cl- as a society, as individuals, we're just not that smart, and we're not no. that. We just don't have that perspective. We don't. We're not evolutionarily designed for it. So we have to put those things in place, like psychological biases, right? There are things mm. we know happen. You have to intervene on your own behalf. And society, through governments and others, have to intervene where some of those things are not consequential for the individual, but massively consequential for all of us as a group. Yeah. Man, tackling the big ones. Aren't we? Big ones Let's today, right out of the gate. On then, mate, because the other, speaking of a big one, the other big one we had this week is ANZ said interest rates will go up by two percentage points in the next four meetings, not each meeting, but in total, Mm. From 1.35% the official cash right now to 3.35% by Christmas. Mm. Was it four months ago? It was 0.1. When rates go up by three, three and almost, it's called three and a half percent in eight, nine short months, add a couple of percentage points on top of that for the bank margins and say that the, if ANZ's right, we'll be paying five, five and a half percent for our 
mortgages, our home loans. Uh, business loans, by the way, other things that are attached to those things. Um, I dare say personal loans will go up. All of the, you know, debt becomes much more expensive. That is a massive, massive hit. Now, I, I'll put myself on record up front saying I think ANZ is wrong. I have no, you know, I'm not saying I'm smarter than those guys. I just don't think it's going to happen. But it could. It absolutely could. Um, from 0.1 to 3.35% in nine months, mate, it's a, it's a, it's a hell of a thing. Uh, firstly, do you think it's going to happen? Secondly, what happens if it does? Yeah. Um, I'm actually with you. Um, I, I don't think it will either. Okay. Um, and I be very careful with what we're saying, if you're listening out there, mm. because, you know, Philip Lowe got into a lot of trouble for saying that rates weren't going to rise until 2024. Can, um, I, can, I, can I stop you? Because I want yes. to. He never yep. ever said that. No, he didn't. You're I've right. got, a, I've got right. the world's massivest bee in my bonnet. Massivest isn't the word, but it is now. Um, largest, most large, most massive bee in my bonnet. Uh, he never ever said that. The media misquoted the RBA and continued True. to. I will say, Lowe has absolute responsibility for not calling it out. So it's one thing to say, you know, it's one thing to be misquoted. It's nothing to say... He was quite a bit rocking and make a big deal about it. He yeah. absolutely didn't say, he said, we will raise rates when the circumstances are appropriate. That's probably not until 2024. And he was dead wrong, by the way, but he yeah. never, ever, ever said, don't worry, rates won't go up till 2024. Sorry, you're right. You're right. Sorry, you're absolutely. I have a, you're a con- context, nuance. About, no, it's, it's, it is really important. It is very important. Um, but the point is, is that you would imagine that mm. out of everyone in Australia, he would probably have a pretty good handle on things. I mean, God help us if he doesn't, <laughs> right? Maybe the RBA <laughs> review will help us. And you know, everyone's mm. fallible and the rest of it. But mm. he's very well informed, very well trained, etc., etc., etc. So, so I, I just wanted to preface what I was going to say based mm. on the fact that th- this is all super hard and, and whatever yeah, we say, probably, right. probably the opposite. is that please don't make any financial decisions based on what we're saying. It's really important <laughs> to, stress, to stress that. Um, but yeah, I don't think it will. Um, and I, I, I feel as though there's, there's what rates do and their impact yeah. on the economy. But then you get into some weird kind of psychological <laughs> area. You've talked about it before, like the mm. jawbone um, yep. tool. You know, just the threat of it will change yeah, behaviour. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I feel as though the, the whole idea of raising rates was to tame inflation, so mm. try and take some demand out of the economy. Mm, mm. Um, and so they're, they're, they're raising it. They'll, they'll raise it again a few more times, I'm sure. I just I feel as though I'm with you. It'll probably peak lower than what people expect, just in the same way that where they, were, where they thought they were going a year mm, or two mm, ago turned mm. out to be completely wrong. Um, yeah. Because it'll, it will have seen the desired effect. The, the, the reality is, is in our country and, in fact, many developed countries around the world, if if they go to levels that they've sort of been forecast by the bond markets and everywhere to go to, I mean, the whole we just enter this, like, brutally crippling recession. So we kind of like, do we take demand out of the system? Yes, and then some, and probably too much. So I would not be surprised to see that the, the RBA and other central banks, the Fed included, flip at some point and they go from hawkish to dovish to use the, mm. the terminology. So, yeah, yeah. I, so I, don't, I don't know, but that's, that's, that's my guess. Interest rates are going up, but maybe not as much as everyone thinks. Um, yeah. But to your second, question, second part of your question, if they do, well, you know, it's, it's, it's going to hurt um, a yeah. lot of people. Um, and it, it, even those that manage to sort of keep their head above water, mm. um, they're going to be spending a lot less on plasma mm. TVs, mm. iPhones, holidays and the rest yeah. of it. So it's sort of, yeah. you know, be, be, the last thing that people will, will, will put money towards 
uh, oh, sorry, the last thing that mm-hmm. people will cut in their spending is their mortgage because yeah. then you kind of bad things, really bad things happen to you. So that's that's sort of the last thing to go. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that all your other spending will get impacted. And as we always say, someone's spending is someone else's income. So it's going to have impact on GDP and, and all the rest of it. So mm-hmm. the, 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 here's, me, here's me after just sort of saying, I care about people. I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bit mean now. At the same time, <laughs> I do feel as though I'm embracing myself for all of the, the news reports and that where we cut to some poor old soul who's you know, forced to sell one of their six investment properties and is crying poor and rah, rah, rah. Because I, I do feel as though that at some point there is a little bit of personal responsibility that needs to come into it. So I, I sort of say that a much higher interest rates are going to hurt a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's going to make things more difficult for, for, for everyone, even if you were super sensible. But the people who are going to get wiped out with the people who are highly reckless. And that sucks. And that's I, I don't relish in that at all. But at the same time, I kind of think, well... If, if, if I had put all my money into some dodgy tech company and wiped it out, yeah. Current Affair is never going to do a story on me and how woe is me and how the government should step in and help me out, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're not. But, but with property, it's so emotive and different that we do see those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. it kind of, I, don't know, I don't know what I'm saying. I guess, I guess <laughs> the real blame I have here is not so much on the individuals but on the people mm-hmm. that lend it. I, I would absolutely say, well, yeah. let the bank – if those people get into trouble – yeah. And um, you, banks have to write write off loans. Sucked mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Serves you right. What your job is to lend responsibly. You didn't. You you should bear the cost of that. Yeah. Um, but again, there's moral hazards. They know they're going to get. You, could, you couldn't out. do it right. You could. Yeah. Otherwise, everyone a default. Too so big like, to fail. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But even, even just an individual level, if if I had a million dollar mortgage and all of a the bank was responsible for it, it was like I'm not paying the mortgage. You, you I'm going to have the house. You you. you Suffer the debt. Like, there's, got, there's got to be that some you know some some linkage back. I think. Well, this is um, this is the thing. You can't have you can't have capitalism on the way up and socialism on the yeah. way down. <laughs> yeah. That's what gets yeah. me. You know, yeah. that, and particularly when you have we talk about sort of natural monopolies and the rest of it, yeah. and or, or at least that's not the right term. At least highly privileged positions within our yep. economy, i.e., the banking yep. sector. Yeah, yeah. Super powerful, quasi, super quasi government guaranteed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I, ju- I just feel as though that you know you can't have these these institutions making insanely high profits, mm-hmm. and and then when things go bad because you've done because you have been irresponsible because you have done bad things yeah. that then you get to cry foul and oh we need we need help and if you don't help us like we're all screwed it, it's it's very unfair. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. One thing that really annoys me, mate, is, and this is absolutely in keeping with your view, I, I, I don't necessarily, um, we're, we're 95% aligned here. I am really grumpy at the banking regulator, APRA. Um, so so let, let, me, let me preface it. The, the government has announced a review into the RBA for getting rates wrong, right? Mm. Now, they got rates wrong. So did the US Fed. So did the Bank of England. So did the European Central Bank. Like, these guys are not on their Pat Malone here. And if the government wants a scapegoat or needs to be seen to be doing something that epoxy on everybody's houses because it's just ridiculous. Yep. Now, because the RBA make a mistake? Yes, absolutely it did. I'm not, not defending them saying they didn't make a mistake. They made a massive mistake. So did Jerome Powell at the Fed. So did Mario Draghi. So did, you know, I don't know who the Bank of England governor is these days. Um, you know, those people made the same mistakes. And should they be accountable for it? Well, they're responsible for it, sure. But, you know, every time they got something right, we didn't say, hey, good work again, guys. You're right again. Congratulations. They make one mistake and they go, we go, oh, you're in trouble. So there's mm. that, right? So I think, I think, mm. and when you're saying, let's look at interest rates because what they did, but you don't say, let's look at government fiscal policy. Let's look at bank regulators. Let's look at, we're looking at yeah. one particular part of this and saying, it's all their fault. And we love it as, as a 
financial community, whether that's the pundits, the economists, the experts, the reporters, the journos, the, the average Joe who just cares about economics, we look at the RBA and give it this ridiculously overblown status and yep. ignore the rest of the machinery of government. Yep. So when I look at, at, you know, the the yes, they made a mistake on rates. It was too low for too long. They should have risen. They should have risen more quickly. They should have risen a long time ago, uh, probably twelve months ago, maybe even eight months ago. Um, so you know, those things are true. The RBA is right in saying, well, look, we had this pandemic that was supposed to wreak havoc on the economy, cost tens of thousands of lives. We made the least worst bet. I think they absolutely did. They could have kept rates high. Said, we'll wait and see what happens. Yeah, and it's, it's easy in hindsight, enough, isn't it? Right? Yeah. But yeah. here's my issue, mate. When rates were at 0.1%, nobody believed that was it forever. Yeah. The banks knew that. The regulator knew that. The government knew that. The APRA, the regulator, actually reduced the lending buffer, yeah. allowing people to borrow even more money at even lower interest rates, yeah. which was just blatant stupidity. It was cyclical acceleration rates, pro-cyclical as I call it, made the cycle worse. When you get mm. 25% increase in house prices last year, because all of a sudden we could all borrow a truckload more money at mm. stupidly low interest rates, like mm. never to be repeated, never going to stay that low rates, it was absolutely rock solid dumb. I've suggested on this podcast before, APRA should have been increasing rather than decreasing the buffer. Mm. If you want to decrease interest rates to keep economic activity flowing, make debt cheaper, then great. But how do you stop that getting your asset prices? Easy. You increase the buffer. You say, you can't borrow any more money, but your repayments will be lower. That'd be mm. perfect. If mm. house prices didn't go up 25% last year and rates were still lower, there would have been even more money in the economy because plenty of people said, I can afford to pay $2,000 a month on my mortgage. Last year, that could have bought me a, I'm going to make some numbers up now, $800,000 house. Mm. This year, it buys me a million dollar house because you've dropped the buffer. Hey, mm. I'll buy a million dollar house. Instead, what could have happened is they could have bought the $800,000 house. It would have cost them 1500 bucks a month rather than $2,000 a mm. month. And the extra money would have gone straight into the economy, which is exactly what the RBA would have wanted. Yeah. And then when rates go back up again, you can slowly reduce that buffer. You don't want to destroy house prices. You say, okay, well, they didn't go from 800 to a million. As rates go up, we don't want 800 to go down to 500. We'll keep it at 800. How do you do that? You increase the lending buffer. It is just, it's maths, right? It, it's algebra. It's not it's, difficult. It's not even just it's the lending buffer and it's a whole other bunch, all these macro prudential controls that they yeah, could have put in totally. place. Yep. I, yep. I, I 100%, 100% agree with you. It is, it is, it is and, madness. And to only review the RBA, this is what annoys me, mate. To only review the RBA, mm. rather than reviewing government fiscal policy decisions, tax and spend decisions, the, the regulators' changes, the things they did, Imagine now if house prices weren't so expensive, we could put rates up without causing anywhere near the amount of stress we're going to create. Yeah, just it, uh, I, it's we, we have we have we have we have made our system extremely fragile. Yes, on one particular, like you know, it's not. It's kind of we talk a lot about housing because it is kind of all about housing. Yep. Yep. You know, and it's it's everyone's. It's very emotive. Uh, everyone's got an opinion on it, but it's kind of it makes sense for us to do it because it just everything mm -hmm. kind of depends on it, and we've it has. You know, again, I'll refer to Hanlon's razor here. Um, there's, there's no, there's no grand conspiracy here, but there's a whole bunch of incentives that have drawn it that way, and and the solution mm -hmm. has just everyone's looking at the RBA, and the RBA plays a massively important role yeah. in it. But as you rightly say, there's so many other things. The RBA is looking at housing, but it's also looking at every other bloody thing mm -hmm. in the economy as mm -hmm. well, where you've got other parts that are tasked specifically. We're looking at housing policy, and yeah, there. So exactly. where's the review into that? You know, it's it, it is it is it is absolute madness, um, and Stupidity, and mate. and we have we have we have created for ourselves a very 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 difficult. We've kind of painted ourselves into a corner. I don't I don't know what we do actually. Mm. It becomes it 
it becomes very difficult. The other thing I'll say too is this: is that in in also defending the RBA, it goes back to what we were saying at the start here. We have this highly, I'm going to use these terms in a very deliberate mathematical way, but it's a highly dynamic, complex system that is the economy. Mm-hmm. Literally millions of people interacting on a day-to-day basis, which scales up in the aggregate to this broader thing that mm-hmm. we, this amorphous thing we call the economy. And yet a board of, what, 12 people have mm-hmm. to decide the yeah. settings right. that make sense across a whole That's bunch right. of industries and That's circumstances. Right. I mean, it's not that they're idiots. It's not that they're evil. It's just that they're given an impossible job. Yeah. They, they, yeah. are, they are given an impossible job. It, you, you can't, you can, all you can do is the best and we can argue what could have happened and what should have happened and the rest of it. But I just, I just don't know. Okay, let's do a review. And okay, we could have done that. Okay, let's put some different people. And well, they're just going to make a different set of mistakes down the fu- in, in the future. Um, yeah. It's like drawing and quartering the weatherman because he said it was going to rain three Thursdays from today and it didn't. You know, is he an idiot? Is he evil? Yeah. No, he's just yeah. he's trying to do something that's incredibly difficult to do, if not impossible. Yeah. I, I, and look, and this is the thing. I, I think sometimes you need someone from outside the, you know, uh, I'll say bubble. I don't like the word phrase camera bubble, but, you know, honestly, like with companies, the RBA should say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, guys, I'm not giving forecasts. Get stuffed. Right, and the financial community would go nuts. Every economist would go, "What, what do we use for our models then?" And the business people say, "Well, how can I?" F-? The reality is, the RBA has been so badly wrong. <laughs> you know, it's not, and not because it's their fault. It's just too hard to do. Don't mm. do it. If you yeah. can't do it reliably, don't do it. Yeah. You know, the, the idea that somehow, oh, well, it's going to get better at their forecast then. It's like, well, I mean, you know, listen, weathermen can use a bit of science, and they're still not right all the time. You got yeah. no. It, it just drives me nuts. Anyway, um, really deep questions, by the way. Oh, really okay. deep questions, and we'll never cover it, cover it all. Yes, um, mate. Speaking of ANZ, let's get on to something a bit less macro, a bit less RBA. Can I just point out with oh, ANZ though? Yes, because I had to look it up. So, if you'd bought ANZ, one of the biggest institutions, as I said, insanely mm-hmm. profitable company, massively economically privileged, ten years ago, yep. you'd still be down about eight percent. Crazy, huh? isn't isn't that amazing? What yeah, what a, yeah. what a woeful performance! By contrast, sixty seven percent gain in Commonwealth Bank shares. The only thing I add to that, mate, is yep. that uh, you know this, and I know you know this, and I'm not saying you're saying anything other than this. But um, it, we 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 infer as as investors, deliberately or otherwise, that that's somehow ANZ's fault or CBA's fault, right? I, I, look at ANZ; they've done, they've done terribly. No, they haven't done terribly. Investors paid too much ten years ago. Yes, that is that is true. But what what is it? That, but but even if on a pure relative basis, what is it with NAB, Westpac, ANZ? Why out of is ANZ been? Is it only is it only that that mispricing that has been recognised on one of the big four banks? I don't know. I don't, Do you know I, what I, I mean? Just make, I mean there's, there's performance yeah. in there, of course. There is. I just think I I, just, I think we should all be a little bit careful. I know you're going. I'm not talking about you particularly. Um, we should all be a little bit careful about, you know, Ains is a terrible business. Look at the share price. Say, well, no. If That's I'd have paid, I, you know, yeah. I love Berkshire Hathaway. You know, I love the hell out of Berkshire yeah. Hathaway. If those shares were worth, were selling for seven trillion dollars ten years ago, it would yeah. say, oh, look at Berkshire Hathaway. Oh, see, it's terrible business. No, no, no <laughs> I was just stupid to pay that price ten years ago. Yes, right? true. And similarly, if you bought AMP for ten cents ten years ago, and it's now worth a dollar. Oh, look how great AMP's been. What a great investment. The fact it was, you know, $20 10 years ago is now a dollar. Oh, what a terrible investment. And it's, those statements are right. I just think we somehow often say it's the business that's responsible rather than investors mispriced the businesses 
at that point. Maybe for reasons that were noble, maybe for a null, maybe the business has genuinely screwed up. There's plenty of screwed up in the meantime. But the whole tech you know, crash, we'll know in floors of time. You know, did we, did we pay stupid prices 12 months ago? Maybe. Is today too stupidly cheap? Maybe. Mm. Does it have anything to do with the business? Probably not, but maybe. Yes. Yeah, no, you're right. You're, you're, you're absolutely anyway. right. What I should have been referring to there would have been the growth in either, probably dividends is a pretty good metric for, for a bank or, I think that's or true. the, the cash, not, the cash earnings. Even, yeah. I, I think that I actually think your, your broader point potentially, or well, I won't say what your point is. I think the bigger point to make is actually that investors assumed these things could do no wrong and were gold plated, you know, yes. uh, absolute guaranteed winners. The the I think the bigger issue for me, you may disagree actually, but the bigger issue for me is that sense of we've said before, I've ranted about blue chips, you've ranted about blue chips. Mm. It would have been ten years ago, someone would have said, How can you go wrong buying A and Z? It's a blue chip, it'll always grow. Mm-hmm. So, oh mm-hmm. no, not, not really. I, for me, I think that's actually the lesson, right? Is be careful what you assume with some of those businesses because that that cheery consensus, Warren Buffett says you pay a high price for a cheery consensus. Well, that, that was it. Who who said ANZ was a terrible investment 10 years ago? Very few people. By the way, the Motley Fool has never recommended a big bank other than in, <laughs> I was going to say, other than in, other than income, so a couple of, I think got NAB maybe, or one of them in one of the income portfolios um, and it's like a 4% position. But yeah. we've never, you know, and we were we were bashed for years about, you know, why do you guys ignore the banks? Why do you ignore the banks? And again, you did just the same. You were working for us at the time yeah. um, and you've done it since. But the reality is it isn't just enough. I, I, I said the same about Woolies too. And people go, oh, yeah. what don't you like? Oh, they're great. Com- yeah. The, the yeah. banks yeah. and Woolworths are incredibly great companies. They'll be around for ages, you know. They're not going mm-hmm. out of business. They're, they're incredibly... But I mean, you know, Woolies was paying a dollar eight. Let's look, forget about share price. Uh, it was paying a dollar eighteen per share in twenty thirteen. They paid a dollar eight last year. You know, it's just sort of like, well, that's that's something. Okay, let's fix, maybe there's a dividend policy change with within that. They were making forty two dollars in 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 revenue mm-hmm. for every share ten years ago. Today they make about forty four dollars. Yeah. A little bit of growth in that, not much actually. Yeah, exactly. In terms of profit, when you put in costs, they were gone from a dollar sixty-seven per share to a dollar fourteen. So there's, there's, there's. Does that make it a bad company? No, not, not at all. I mean, exactly. if you can do really well out of it, imagine owning a business that made five, four billion dollars every year and never grew. Okay, I'm pretty happy with that. The, the, the problem that I always had with it, and I actually, frankly, I still do, is that you know you're you're paying a thirty times multiple on yeah. those earnings. Yeah. That just that does not make sense to me, and that was the, that was the argument for the banks, and that was the argument for for Woolies. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you know, ten years ago you could have bought shares in Woolies at about thirty bucks. Today you've got it for thirty-seven. That's yeah. that's a, yeah. okay. There's some dividends in that, but it's 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 not a great return. Yes. <laughs> and that come, just to, just to underscore your point here of separating the quality of the business and and what the shares have and done. The price. Absolutely. Yep. You know, yep. and and at some point everyone will hate these businesses. I, you know, in fact, I actually think. I'm, I haven't had a bank in my portfolio for forever, for a long time. I did. Uh, next time there's a big recession, bank's probably the first thing on my shopping list in a lot of ways because yeah, yeah, yeah. because they are. We forget in in this country how how economically sensitive and cyclical they are because we just haven't had an economic cycle <laughs> like, yeah, except that it's right. gone up. Take yeah. COVID out. We haven't had a recession since God knows when. Um, but so I'm going to separate out the two for a sec. Sorry, go on. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, just, I just think that what you will find in a very bad recession, and I'm not calling for one, but I'm sure we'll have one at some point over the next couple of decades, mm. you'll see the banks being absolutely knocked for six. They'll be forced to raise extra capital, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. It'll yeah. be awful. And you'll see earnings plummet and you'll see the multiple on those earnings plummet back up the truck. 
back yeah. up the truck, right? Because you know they're going to be bailed out. You know they're going to survive. <laughs> and and that is the time when, you know, if, oh, Andrew, I thought you've always hated the banks. It's like, no, 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 I just hated the price. Now that's that's, that's changed. <laughs> or when, yep. that, when that does change, yep. I, I too shall change in my outlook. I'm not a million percent sure, by the way, that shareholders get made whole when a bank gets bailed out. That's a whole different tangent. Oh, sorry, that's now. that's that's very true. That's very true. But no, if, but you, but if you don't time. own shares, yes. and then you and then the bailout comes, and then you buy, that's that's a different story. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I was going to say what I was going to say now. I was going to make a point about something, and it's completely gone. So that's probably a good idea for us to move on <laughs> because well, ANZ, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. Well, uh, sorry, that's what I was going to say actually. Um, I think one thing that investors get wrong a lot is we extrapolate, right? That's not, yeah. that's not rocket science to say that. Yeah. If you look at businesses like, I'm going to go back to the old Flexi Group for a while, oh, yeah. or the banks, or even Woolies and Coles, there are, there's always more than two phases, let me simplify it down. There's been two phases to those businesses' lives, right? The first is the consolidation. Or there's, probably, there's ones that before this. The last, of, the la- of the last two phases. The second last one was the consolidation phase. Mm. When the banks go from... I mean, you know, Westpac used to be the bank of New South Wales, mm. right? Commonwealth Bank was always a bank, but a National Bank was a government-owned bank. Um, these businesses grew and grew and grew and grew by taking market share. Mm-hmm. From, from very small, fragmented players. I remember the United Permanent Building Society. I remember the State Bank of New South Wales when it was the State Building Society. Um, there's been a million... Bank West, St George, Bank of Melbourne, Bank SA, these are all independent businesses. Um, uh, credit unions and uh, all sorts of stuff. Over the last, well, probably 30 years, from 1980 to 2010 or so, these guys just gobbled up market share. Mm-hmm. They consolidated in industry. And the next phase is then kind of the, 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 I won't say stagnation, but the low growth organic phase where you don't get that free kick. Flexi Group mm, mm, actually did mm. remark really, really well during the GFC. Why? Because, was it because, you know, people went, hey, I don't care, I'm going to keep buying stuff? No. We had economic growth that was negative. It was almost a recession. It wasn't quite. Um, but Flexi Group did well because they expanded to more and more and more customers. So mm. even though there were fewer customers buying couches and TVs and computers, more and more of them used Flexi Group's products. And you can, if you're small enough and the industry is consolidating or, or being disrupted, mm. if you're someone offering a new way to pay, and yeah, there are absolutely um, echoes of afterpay here, but if you're offering new ways to pay, you don't need the economy to grow. You just need, you know, you, the economy can go mm. from 100 to 90. But if your customer base goes from 5 to 15, you're going to grow even though the rest of everything is declining. Mm. And that's really important. So Woolies and Coles, similarly, Woolies was a 23% market share player there was the Safeway brand in Victoria. There was, you know, owned a, a little thing called Australian Independent Wholesalers. Um, mm. It grew and consolidated, grew and consolidated. Over time, again, same sort of period from 1980 to about 2010, till it was 45% of some food categories and Coles was the, the, another 40%. And then where do you go? You've got to grow its system from there. So when Bullies and Coles are the dominant, dominant, dominant players, 85% of the market between them, when the big four banks have 80 to 90% of the market between them, um, though that things change and you've got to mm. look at two separate th- bottom line right if you simply said hey look over the last 40 years they've gone from X to Y you've got to remember there are two phases in that and the second the, the most recent phase is the one that's going to be the more dominant one moving forward once you're already dominant you can't get that consolidation phase you can't get that aggregation phase back again Yeah. so you are a different business and, and saying well look at NAB between, ANZ between 1980 and 2010 look how well it grew then it'll grow that way again 
I'm going to ask you, well, hang on, where, how does the market, how do they get to 185% market share themselves? How, does, how do the big four banks get to 158% market share? They're not going to. Yep. And so you've got to remember there are different phases of a business's life and you've got to make sure, Woolies, again, to your point, Ram, Woolies is now a dominant slow growth retailer. That's fine. But don't, don't assume it's going to grow like it used to uh, and don't assume the share price gains can be what they were like. I want to. I want to. Another great example, only because you mentioned it before, was was Berkshire Hathaway. Mm. You know, it, it is it is seven hundred billion dollar behemoth. Mm-hmm. Buffett talks all the time. He says, "Like, I just I can't get the yep. returns I used yep. to." Exactly. Exactly. I can't. And it, wh- why? Because is he is he not as good as he was? No. He's just. It's yep. it's actually many. This is this is for everyone listening. Mm-hmm. We have a huge edge over Buffett. We have a huge edge over all the fund managers in the sense that, um, you know, the silver lining of not having a billion dollars <laughs> <laughs> is that it's actually, you can go in places where these other, Berkshire is, ne- yep. there might be a company yep. in the micro cap space of, of the ASX. Mm-hmm. When I say market, it might be a $300 million company. Yep. That's a, that's a, that is not a local corner shop, right? Yep. Uh, they, they'll never go near it. It doesn't, it could be on a PE of two with, you know, a, you know, a million dollars of cash on the balance sheet and the strongest, best product and management team in the world. They just can't touch it. Yep. Um, and, and that is, yeah, so so uh, what's the record like been at Berkshire? I thought it's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Will shareholders continue to compound at 20% over the next 20 years? I doubt it. And that's, no, I've always said that I think that it, yep. they can't. They're not, Mathematic, again, it can't. Yeah. Mathematically, yeah. it can't. Because if you, I mean, take their current market cap and grow it at yep. 20%. At some point, the company's bigger than the US economy, Correct. then it's bigger than the Northern Hemisphere, then it's bigger <laughs> than planet Earth. I mean, just, you know, it's going to come up against some it very physical limitations. Yeah, so exactly. it's also, by the way, I think that that is when those companies should transition to uh, dividend-paying company. Yep. We just we just pay out a bunch of cash because we, we, we've got nothing we can do with it. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. You're right. Mate, let's move on to, um, speaking of pricing and things that people are paying, um, tech companies mm. seem maybe finally to have got religion. <laughs> I saw Megaport out on Wednesday. Its shares are up 23%. Uh, and it seems to me, uh, to layman's prepared, I don't know in the shares I haven't recommended the company, uh, but it seems to me hinging on the management saying, um, yeah, now we're now going to make sure we're actually managing for cash. <laughs> and <laughs> that seems like a one level, a, a completely obvious thing and why weren't they doing it already? Um, it's not that straightforward. They have been burning cash deliberately to grow. Land grabs in tech are really, really, really common. And they're actually smart things to do when yeah. you've got enough cash available, 100%. right? Amazon running at a loss for 20 years. I own shares. Amazon running at a loss for 20 years was really smart because now they are the world's biggest e-commerce retailer. They'll mm-hmm. be the biggest retailer at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the money invested, sunk, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, sprayed everywhere in the quest to do that. Super useful. Potentially Tesla, a similar one. I'm not a Tesla shareholder, but, you know, they ran out losses for years. Why? Because they had to get scale and they wanted to get there quickly before anyone else beat them to it. That is a smart thing to do if... You have the cash flows, or you can get more cash, sorry, uh, from investors. If you can't, you run out of cash really fast. Yeah. It, over the last 10 months, we've talked about this a couple of times, um, companies have all of a sudden found it really, really hard to get cash. And the fear that they might run out of cash has really hurt share prices. Mm. Megaport's saying, yeah, no, we're going to probably slow things down a little bit, maybe run for cash. Um, at one level, a shame they've got to do it, because if they could have got through this with enough cash and oh, I don't know about Megaport it might be a terrible idea um, but if they could have become a really spectacularly large successful company in three years it's now going to take them seven or eight and yeah frankly in those out years there's more chance someone else beats them to the punch because they're going to have to grow slower as a result so that's a risk on the other hand the risk of actually not having the cash at all not being able to access the cash to stay afloat is reasonably a bigger risk 
Um, but have tech companies finally got religion? I think they're very much picked up on what the, the concerns of the market were. You, mm. you go back 2019, 2020, 2021, it was just growth. <laughs> growth, 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 growth. Sales is all that matters. We'll figure out the other stuff in the end. And it, it, as you say, there's actually, it's not, it's not as dumb as it yeah. seems. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, it'd be really dumb for Woolies to do it or something like that. But when new industries are being created that just mm. that just didn't exist before, mm. and we know that the 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 dynamics are going to be, it's largely in a lot of these cases going to be a winner take all market. Yeah, you don't want to be the, the person who's hyper prudent and managing and growing <laughs> right. for cash. You know, yeah. it's like you just you just lose because the other people who don't care care about it win. Look at Uber. Look at um, I don't know. Pick a thousand examples in tech where it's well, at least so far it's worked out. Look at Tesla, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. You know, right. all of them did did this kind of stuff. Now, the, the only problem I have with that is that unfortunately, although it makes a lot of sense, a lot of companies do use it as an excuse to be reckless. It's like, yeah, well, we, we need correct. to do this. So there is there is you know horses. Ill discipline comes very quickly when there's too much cash flowing around, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And so now the world has changed and now the market has said, no, we actually, we want sustainability. The, the, the era of cheap money is gone. At least that's the current narrative. And so, yeah, companies are, yeah. are, are, meeting, are meeting that um, reality and it makes, it makes a lot of sense. So, uh, yeah, I, I, think it, I, think it, I think it makes sense. But as you've said before, and we always say the pendulum swings too far both ways. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I think there'll be some companies that will 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 swing way. They'll pull back on their R and D. They'll pull back on their marketing. They'll pull back on all of their expansion costs, and then they'll be able to report a couple of quarters where all of a sudden they've gone from cash flow negative to cash flow positive, and the market loves it, and they get a nice little bounce on that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the person who's more prudently focused on the longer term and is maybe losing a bit of cash short term, but is doing so with very prudent long term investment lens on mm. shoots past them captures a huge big chunk of the market mm. and then and then goes on to win dominance so you know you got you got to be careful here um super tough super difficult i don't i don't envy them mate i do think um and you know what there was, there was littered with businesses that were just unlucky you yep. know musk has said about tesla if there was a recession early on the yep. business would have gone broke yep they simply couldn't have kept the sales momentum or got the cash they needed to build this business. And so there are two, in some parallel universe, Musk is a laughing stock having sent Tesla to the ground and GM is upping their, their production of um, internal combustion engine cars and EVs yep. are 50 years away still, you know? Yep. And environmentally, I'm exceptionally glad that Musk has been able to get through that one, but it was not a no-brainer. It was not a, no. you know, there was absolutely every chance that these things went to the wall. Uh, plenty of businesses, uh, go back to the dot-com crash. And Mark Andreessen, the, the famed venture capitalist, said none of those companies were wrong. They were just no. early. Yep. You know, and so you kind of think, man, like, you know, there's so much. Steve Jobs, does Apple thrive without Wi-Fi and, and 4G, 3G, 2G? No, probably not. Yep. You know, if, if that technology doesn't cover another 10 years, Apple goes broke in the meantime. And we're all there using a, Nokia touch phones or something else today. There was, remember, QuickFlix? Um, yeah, yes. Listed on the ASX, streaming yes, service. Yep. You know, no one's ever heard of it because it went bankrupt. Correct, correct. It, what, what did it do wrong? Yes. Uh, it was just, it, it was there before the infrastructure was in yeah. place. Yep. It, we didn't have the bandwidth and the connectivity yep. and enough US people internet connected. speeds improved quicker than ours did. And so you yep. know, Netflix had a, had a running start. QuickFlix always suffered because downloading movies on 56.6 <laughs> bits per second was not yeah. going to cut it. I remember at the time people laughing yep, at yep, it, you know. Yep. There's, there's a phenomenon now that's called um, cloud-based gaming where you don't – all you really yeah, need is yeah. a good internet connection and a monitor, but, but, the, cool. but the, the graphics cards and everything are run on a server somewhere. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and I actually 
Go on. I was just going to say, there's a company a couple of years ago that tried to do it and they crashed and burned and everyone yeah. laughed like, oh, it's never going to take off. It's obviously the future. It is obviously the future because for all of the reasons that, that and the advantages that that bring, I don't have to build this ridiculous yeah. machine at home and for all the reasons that we've all yeah. gone to the cloud for everything else, that'll get there as soon as the connectivity is 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 there. So, yeah, being being right place at the right time counts for a lot. Counts for you know a lot. Google Docs, mate? Um, I used a thing, a Citrix product, uh, and they used to call these, these computers a dumb client. We had a keyboard and a screen that would go and do the computing somewhere else. And I had to try and use, I was, t- I was told to use Excel uh, remotely. And it was just the clunky, because the internet was too slow. You couldn't yeah. do it. And it was just this terrible, terrible, it's supposed to be a cost kind of thing, terrible experience. These days, Google Sheets is spectacular. I haven't used Excel in ages, literally ages. Because yeah. um, Google Sheets does enough. But it wasn't, it wasn't a bad idea. It was just too early for its time. Docs lodges at the right time and takes the world by storm. Uh, poor old Citrix and Microsoft are trying to catch up and get to the cloud as quickly as they could. Just just dumb luck. We should talk Mate, about at yeah. some stage, very quickly, just the, the thing, and Google it, it's called the Gartner Hype Cycle. Yeah. Gartner cool. Hype Cycle. We should cycle. talk about that. Let's do that. Well, very quickly, so you, you Google it so you know what I'm talking about, but generally mm. what happens is someone invents this new technology. Um, let's call it blockchain. No, let's not. They, they invent this Lazy new disc. technology <laughs> and and the, the 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 people really close to it the 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 enthusiasts the, the, dare i say it, the nerds yeah. go wow yeah, this is huge this is a big mm-hmm. deal this is mm-hmm. a really big deal and then they all buy it they all get involved in it and it goes up and up and up and up and up and then other people start to take notice and then it just gets to sort of ridiculous sort of territory yeah. and then yeah. Just the reality of the situation is that although the tech has a lot of promise and that, it just hasn't been fleshed out mm-hmm. yet properly. Mm-hmm. And then and then, you know, people expect people see something and then they expect it to happen immediately and it doesn't work that way. So then you have this huge <laughs> big washout and this big crash. Yeah. Yeah. And you enter what's called the trough of disillusionment. Mm-hmm. And this is after the initial hype cycle where it's all just gone crazy, you know, for a while there, and then people go, Oh, it's just, yeah, it's not panning out. But yet and this is the big the big if here is if it is a legitimate technology. There's a lot of false dawns yes, yes, on yes, this yes, kind of stuff. So they, you know, laser disc and all these other things mm-hmm. that actually never proved to be. But but if there is legitimate technology there, the the enthusiasts, the, the pioneers continue to work on it. They continue to make it better, and then that climbs back up that curve again, and you're yeah. on your way to mass mass adoption. It's yeah. actually a phenomenal time to invest in these world changing technologies. Once you once you're in that trough of disillusionment, so mm-hmm. it's kind of like you've gone through the initial hype and the initial bubble but the tech is still there it's still legitimate it's still being improved upon everything that was said in 1999 about the internet as (laughs) you know as you just said was absolutely true when was the best time to buy not not in 1998 that was a really bad time to buy that was that was during the initial peak uh hype uh, part of the hype cycle when was the best time probably 2002 2003 because the tech was legitimate it kept on being built on and that's where you got to buy the amazon at three dollars that's where you got to buy you know all of these other kinds of things so it's sort of it's what am i trying to say here i'm trying to say there's all technologies and i'm not even talking internet or it technology even you want to talk about internal combustion engines or electricity grids or anything like that they all or dishwashers or microwaves they all going to go through that that kind of cycle so it's, it's something worth paying attention to if you're interested in tech i like it Mate, um, last one for me. Can I, can I, so I, I was away in Birdsville. I went to the Big Red Bash, had an absolute ball. I will bore people with my holiday stories later. But one thing, I have a question. This is the most important question of the podcast, right? Okay. <laughs> when you do the pod, when you do the nutbush, you, you've, you've, you're, you're the sort of man who's done the nutbush plenty of times, I'm tipping. 18th, 21st weddings, am I right? Sure, sure. All right. Love, love so you do the nutbush, you know, side, 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 back, knees, all that kind of stuff. When you, when you jump and clap, do you turn left or right? 
Oh. Because I'm doing the nut push. We, had, we all had to do the... I'm a world record. I should be, I should be fated by you and our listeners. I'm a world record holder. Anyone under the age of 40 right now is going, what the hell is he talking about? But yes, continue. I don't care. I, I hate those people for many, many reasons, including the fact <laughs> that I don't know the nut push. I, I, am, I am one of those people who actually set a world record for the most number of people doing the nut push at the same time. Oh. Five and a half minutes of nut pushing. Uh, it was on some of the news. You may have seen it. So yes, you, you're welcome. Seems like a low uh, hurdle to beat. Five and a half minutes. I think you're going to say five days my world record. Don't take it off me. Don't take it off me. <laughs> um, 4,200 people doing it at the same time. And they said, here's what we do. Let's do it. And we were like, everyone know how to do it? Yeah, we did it. And they said, now turn left. And we went, no, it's right. There oh, was, well, all I'm saying is it was almost a brawl. Half the people there wanted to go left, half the people wanted to go right. And I think this is one of the great unanswered questions of our time, mate. And I, I, I'm disappointed you don't know the answer. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. We will no. have enough. If you, if, you, if you have a view, let me know. Uh, hit <laughs> the us big, up on, the big hit issues. Hit us up on the socials. Hit us up on the socials. <laughs> I'm going to need you to do some research between now and maybe Sunday, maybe next Friday. I need to know categorically, was I right? Should we be turning left or was I wrong? We should be turning right? Because I'm just still, look, I'm a world record holder. I'm not going to complain. But, uh, but let's just say of all the big questions to be answered this week, that is possibly the biggest. And if you don't know what the nutbush is, shame on you. Shame on your parents. You should know what the nutbush is. You should be able to do the nutbush without thinking. Five and a half minutes, mate. Easy as pie. All of that training at 16th and 18th and 21sts. I've been training for it for life. I just didn't know it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really proud of you, mate. I, you know, there's there's a lot of um, a lot Careful. of things you can be proud of in your life, but that, that, that ranks up, up the top. I don't know many other world record holders, mate. I'm clinging to that one as desperately as I can for at least the next 12 months. But uh, I think we're probably, we're probably done, are we? I think so. I think so. Right. Until... Will you come back on Sunday? You know I will. All right. Until Sunday. From me, full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691. Listener.